0: First week, we talked about tearing down walls. To be impactful, we have to be a church without walls. We need to tear down those walls that we put up that limit God's work in our lives and limit God's work in our church. Those walls are our expectations, our fears, our doubts, our timing, not God's timing. Those are the walls that we continually put up that we limit God's work. The second week we talked about evangelism and the fact that evangelism is not just getting the person to accept Christ. Evangelism is the whole process. It's cultivating. It's just being friendly with others. Evangelism is an everyday activity, what we may call watering, where you're just listening to people and you're just sharing your story. That's evangelism. And we talked about compassion. Shifting and in, in focusing on ourselves to focusing on others. We looked at the Good Samaritan story and recognized that the priest and the Levite in the story, they were more concerned about what was going to happen to them than they were about the one who had been beaten up. And Jesus says, compassion is what you need. Who was the neighbor? The one who had compassion. But if we want to have impact, there's one other thing we need to do. After we tear down those walls, after we have compassion, when we share our story, it involves one thing we have to say yes to God. We have to say yes to him first. Lord, I'm here. I'm available for you. You see, we like to make excuses. I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not enough. God can't use me. Well, Scripture tells us otherwise. Jesus used fishermen. He used tax collectors, tent makers. He used doctors. He used prostitutes and shepherds. He used farmers, he used sick people, he used deaf people, he used children. And the list goes on and on and on. Who's ever made the dean's list in school? Anyone ever made the dean's list? Honor society, keep your hands up. Graduated with honors. What about sports? Who was ever an all-star in sports? Received military award, a civil award, voted most likely to succeed in high school. Well, you're all pretty special. That's really good news. And God can use you too. (laughs) You see, but God has to work a little harder with you. But if you didn't raise your hand to any of those things, congratulations, because you're really God's first draft pick. Listen to this verse that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you, few of you were wise in the world's eye or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are perilous to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God doesn't choose just the superachievers of the world. He chooses every one of us, despite our flaws, despite what our perceived inadequacies are about ourselves. See, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And if we think we have it all together, if we think that we can do it ourselves, we're just fooling ourselves. And God can't use us for his purposes. We're to full up on ourselves. Like the song we sang earlier, we need to empty ourselves of us, fill up with him. That's how we can use us. You know, it's like the woodpecker who's pecking away on a tree. Peck, 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 peck. All of a sudden, a lightning bolt comes down, hits the tree, splits it in two. The woodpecker goes back to his friends. He says, look what I did. We do that. God blesses us with things. And we look at them and we say, oh, look what I did. No, no. You have good things because God allowed it. It had nothing to do with you other than you saying yes and making yourself available to him. You know, Nicodemus was a great example of this. And it's purposely placed just before this story of the Samaritan woman. You know, Nicodemus was an all-star. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a Pharisee. He had great scriptural knowledge. He held up all of the Jewish law. And he comes to Jesus looking for answers. He had his questions. He comes at night. Comes in the dark. But after his encounter with Jesus, he leaves confused. He doesn't have the answers he wants. He had thought he was doing everything right. He thought he was going to get eternal life and the blessings because of what he was doing. But he was wrong. Sometimes we do that. We think, if I just do the right things, if I just do this, if I just do that, everything else will be okay. If it's in his will, yes. But if it's it's your will that you're following, if it's, if it's your agenda that you're following, that's you trying to attain for yourself. See, God chooses to give us the gifts. God chooses and desires to use every one of us to fulfill his purposes, but we still have to say yes. We have to take the focus off of self and keep our eyes on him so that when he puts those opportunities in front of us, we see them. And we see him. We like to look for the big ways that we can help God. I want to do big things for God. But you know what? God's in more of the mundane than he is in the big stuff. He's in the ordinary. He's in the everyday stuff that we go through. Remember when Elijah stood on the mountain. In 1 Kings. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. God's not in the dramatic He's in the details. He's in the ordinary. And that's where we see him in our text this morning. It starts out pretty ordinary. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Just an ordinary day, traveling from one city to another. And along comes a woman doing her daily routine of getting water at the well. An ordinary, everyday activity. You know, the disciples missed one of the greatest stories of revival because they were focused on their need. They went to look for food. They were looking to fulfill their need for hunger. They were satisfying themselves, and they ended up missing the greatest revival in the New Testament. For the Samaritan woman doing her everyday stuff, coming to get water. And we know she's a hurting woman because she doesn't come with the rest of the ladies. She comes by herself. She was an outcast. She was a sinful woman with a dark and tainted past. But only until Jesus enters her picture. But after her encounter with Jesus, she had a choice to make. Was she going to say yes? Or was she just going to ignore it? She chose to say yes. And then she immediately went to work serving him. You know, we're faced with those kind of choices every day. The Lord is putting opportunities before us all the time. It may be choices to make him first in our life, to put him as our first priority. It might be choosing to initiate, imitate his character and model his behavior in our situations. The opportunities may present us people with needs, people that are hurting, people that need hope. But sometimes because we're so focused on our own stuff, our own needs like the disciples were at getting food, that we just walk right by and we miss them. How can we say yes to God if we can't hear him, if we don't see him? we don't see what he's asking us to do a couple weeks ago you know as we were getting our house ready uh, to sell one of the things that we had to do was get it painted and so living in a homeowners association you know you have rules to follow and so we knew we had to pick the specific colors and and all of that so we, we jumped through all of those hoops and we got the house painted, we had hired a painter to do it, we got it all done, and a couple of days later we got a letter from our homeowners association. We noticed that you painted your house without our approval. And I thought, approval? Okay, well we picked your colors, what more did, you know? And so I, I was frustrated, I, was, I will admit I was very frustrated. <laughs> And I sat down on my computer and I penned an email back. And I said, well, Jay, can you read this email? And he read it and he said, you can't send that. I said, well, he goes, you cannot represent Christ that way. Is that how you want to represent Christ? And I hung my head, I said, no. No, I don't, it just made me feel better for a moment. And so I went back, and I, and I rewrote the whole thing. And, and, and so I, I sent it back. And so she, this woman responded, and she said, okay. She said, well, now here's what I need from you to approve your house painting. And I'm thinking, well, this is absurd because it's already done. What, are you going to sandblast it to take it off if you don't approve it or what? But anyway, so we go through this process, and then she emails me, and she says, okay, I need the contract if you, ha- if you hired a painter, she says, or if you did it yourself, she said, but if you hired a painter, I need the contract, I need proof of their insurance and proof of their license. And I had to stop and think because I didn't have that information readily available to me. Now, if I painted it myself, that would be so much easier if i just wrote back and said yes i did i just painted it myself my husband and i and my kids we just painted the whole house in three days because that would have been so much easier i wouldn't have to go back to the painter and get other paperwork and i will tell you you know in cartoons where they have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other i'm sitting at my desk and i had each of those on my shoulder no you can't do that Oh, but that would be so easy to do that. Then you wouldn't have to do all this other stressful stuff. Oh, but you can't do that. You can't do that. That's not right. But that, was, that is this. This is, you know, yes, God, use me. But no, God, I want the easy road. I had to choose. What was I going to do? Was I going to imitate and model his behavior? Or was I going to do the easy way? Because sometimes following Christ is hard. Not always easy. saying yes to jesus is not just a one-time deal it's an everyday endeavor it's an everyday process and god wants to use every one of you but you have to say yes if we want to see a revival in our community if we want to see a revival in this church the revival has to start in us first We have to choose Christ. We have to say yes to Him in all things, even when they're hard. Because when things get hard, that's when God's glory shines the brightest. (coughs) So often, when life gets hard, we just want to stop. Okay, I give up. I can't do it anymore. It's too hard. There, that's my excuse. I can't say yes to God. It's too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. And I get it. I understand it. We've all been in that place of just wanting to give up. But keep going on. Keep saying yes. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And if anyone had excuses to say no to God, it was our Samaritan woman. She was the outcast. She was hated by people. That's why she came by herself. She had a lifetime of just mistakes. She had little knowledge of Scripture. When Jesus asked her about worship, she wasn't sure about it. When Jesus asked her about the Messiah, she wasn't so sure about it. She had plenty of excuses. She had plenty of reasons to say no. But when Jesus came to her, she still said yes. So what's your excuse? We all have sin in our lives. We all doubt. We all have fear. We all lose our faith at times. And we all think we aren't good enough. But that's the great news. If you're not good enough, you're perfect for the Lord. Absolutely perfect. God loves those that are not good enough. He uses those that are not good enough. If you think you're good, then you're too good to be used by him. God doesn't call the perfect. He perfects the ones he calls. See, Jesus required two things of his disciples. One, that they weren't lazy, that they were willing to serve him. And the second thing, that they were willing to follow, that they were willing to say yes. It didn't matter what their background was. It didn't matter what their past was. But God saw their potential. and He sees potential in every one of you as well. So how do you respond when Jesus meets you in your ordinary? How do you respond? See, the Samaritan woman was so excited about what Jesus had said to her in her whole experience with him, she couldn't wait to share it with others. She was screaming, yes. I can almost, I I just have this vision of her leaving that place, just taking off. She left her water jug there, just taking off to the city, just cheering the whole way. Oh, I can't believe I just met the Messiah. I just met the Messiah. She couldn't hold it in, it was just flowing out of her. So she went, she gets to her village. She can't help it. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord where you just know he's filled you up? You've emptied yourself of you so he could come in and fill you up so that anyone that comes in contact with you says, you're different. There's something different about you because you're so filled up with the Lord. He just leaks out of every pore of you. Because when you experience that, when you experience that moment that the Samaritan woman was experiencing, you want to say yes again and yes again and over and over and over. You can't help it anymore. You can't wait for the next adventure that God's going to bring your way. It brings a whole new perspective to your life. It's a whole new outlook. Your whole entire life will be changed. Maybe you're at a crossroads this morning. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you're just not feeling thirsty anymore. Maybe your Christian walk isn't filled with that living water, and you've come to the well looking for revival for your heart and for your soul. All it takes is, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm here. Because he hasn't left your side. He continues to walk with you. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Just take saying yes. We need to understand that God has a plan for each and every one of us. He wants to use each and every one of you. He's chosen you. Like the Samaritan woman, he's looked for you. He's waited patiently for you to visit with him. He wants to use what he's blessed and gifted you with. He wants to use your time. He wants to use your talents. You know, the Samaritan woman may not have even realized that she had gifts or talents, but Jesus knew what they were, Jesus saw them, he saw her potential. He saw her strength. He sees that in every one of you as well. I don't imagine that she ever would have thought that she'd become the town evangelist, from the town outcast to the town evangelist. I don't imagine she ever thought anyone would ever listen to a thing she had to say. But it was when she said yes. That's when God revealed to to her Who she was, who he was, and what the plan was. And that was impact. When she said yes, that was revival, and that was impact. When you say yes to God, you're going to have impact. Because the Word of God never comes back void. He promises us that. He's given you breath in your lungs for a purpose. You have a distinct personality trait that will open doors with others that no one else can reach. You have past experiences, whether they're bad or good, that will open doors with people that no one else can reach. There are people in this world that God wants you to reach, that the rest of us may never come in contact with because that's your job. But until you say yes, you're going to be stuck right where you're at. Until you say yes to God, you're not going to be filled with the living water. You won't experience that revival in your soul. You're just going through the motions of, I'm a Christian. And then you wonder why nothing ever changes. Why is my life the same? Why don't I see anything different? I see those people over there. They're getting blessings. Why am I not getting blessings? Well, What's your relationship with Jesus? Are you saying yes to him? Are you recognizing him? Notice that word recognize. That's an important word. It doesn't say when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, those that recognize me. You know, Recognize. To recognize something, you have to have heard it before. You have to have known it before in order to recognize it. So, are you recognizing his voice? Because you've heard it before. As we were moving last weekend, we hadn't, because everything had happened so quickly, we hadn't really had a chance to tell a lot of people. And so we hadn't even told our, our neighbors at that point. And so when they saw the moving truck outside our house, uh, one of our, na- our elderly neighbor had come over, and she said, oh, I had no idea that you were moving. And now we've lived there since 2003, so almost 14 years we've lived there. And I think we, we've been very friendly with our neighbors, but we never felt like we were very close to our neighbors. We never felt like we were making an impact, let's say. And so this elderly woman, she had come over, and she started to cry. And she said, I'm so sorry you're moving. She said, I'm going to miss you. And I thought, wow, wow, I didn't realize and so I said, but it's okay. I said, you have my number. You know, you can call me anytime." time. And, and so we, we, I said, we'll still be here for a couple weeks. You know, we're, we're still back and forth. And, and so we said goodbye. And, and then the next day, our other neighbors came over. And the husband kept saying, I'm so sad. I'm so sad that you're leaving, that you're moving. You're such good neighbors. I'm so sad. And his wife brought a print. They're an Indian family. And she brought over this beautiful little print with tears in her eyes. And she said, please hang this on your new house wall. She said, because please, every time you see it, think to pray for your Indian friends. And I have to tell you, that's the impact. We had no idea that we were making an impact. But they knew that they could come to us for prayer. They knew that we were different. And it was just a reminder from God. It was so important for us. Your purpose here is complete. It's time for you to go to a new place for a new purpose. Because you said yes. That's what this is about. It's saying yes to God and saying, Lord, whatever you have, I want to be a part of. I don't care what it is. I just want to be a part of it because you're behind it. That's saying yes to God. That's complete trust in his goodness. That's complete trust in his will. The last six weeks of our lives has been ridiculously hard. I've I've shared a little bit of that with you. But in it, through every hurdle we've gone through, that God has just blasted away, we keep saying, Wow, God. Wow, God. And all he keeps saying is just keep saying yes. Just keep saying yes. There's more, there's more, there's more. Just keep saying yes. That's what I challenge you with. What is God asking you to say yes to? Because he has a purpose for every one of us. What is he asking you to say yes to? Go back to that one moment when you first said yes to Jesus. You said, I am a sinner. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I know that you died and rose again to pay the debt for my sins. That moment you said yes. Go back to that moment and learn how to say yes again because it will produce an overflow of living water in your soul. That just spills out on everyone around you. That's impact. That's loving in ways that matter and growing more and more like Christ. Holy Lord. Thank you. Thank you for meeting us here in this place this morning. Satan and tried to thwart us with no sound and, and all the issues, Lord, but, but your will prevails every time. Lord, help us to say yes. Help us to see what you put before us. May we have eyes to see you in our ordinary Lord, help us be thirsty for you. Help us be thirsty to want to make an impact. May we thirst for your word. As we leave this place, may we be encouraged. May we be challenged. May we take you with us so that the light shines in the darkness. I pray for strength. I pray for courage for every person in this room, Lord. I pray for endurance for anything that they're going through. I pray that they see your hand in all things. And I pray that if they can't see you, Lord, that they have the courage to speak up to someone and say, I need help. may the rest of us stand strong among our brothers and sisters holding up their hands in praise and worship saying we're here we're a family we're the children of God daughters and sons of the King in Jesus precious and holy name Amen